Welcome to episode 37 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew, and today we're continuing along our theme through season four, all about teams and building a strong team for your inbound agency. And on that theme, we are excited to have Bob and Natalie from the Impact Team, fresh new HubSpot Diamond Partners. Big congratulations to those guys. This is a great conversation that Gray has with Bob and Natalie, and they dig into the core process of how they define their culture code, how they attract talent, and then how they onboard new talent so they get to work on client accounts as soon as possible. Great conversation. You're going to love it. Here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. Welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. I am your host, Gray McKenzie, and I'm very excited today to be bringing on Bob Ruffalo and Natalie Davis from Impact Branding and Design up in Connecticut. They're located about right in the middle of Boston and New York, uh, in between on the way there. And they have um, an amazing story as a partner. If you've been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you have heard some of the Impact story before. But Impact was one of the first agencies to achieve HubSpot Platinum partner partner status. Uh, They're definitely one of the household names in the inbound marketing agency space. And I'm excited to have them on. And what we're doing here in this season of Inbound Agency Journey is kind of diving into Um, how agencies build successful teams and what goes into building a team and a culture that allows you to scale. So Bob and Natalie are the perfect folks uh, to hit on this and bring some of these lessons and value to us today. So Bob and Natalie, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you very much. We're excited to be here. Thank you, Gray. Yeah. This is great. I am excited to have you guys on. So Bob, just to give you guys some background, Bob is the founder and CEO of Impact. Natalie was employee number three on the team there. She's currently serving as the director of talent at the agency. So, Bob, I'm going to pitch you the first question here. Sure. And since starting Impact, how did you know when to hire people and what positions you needed to fill and prioritize where you brought people onto the team? Well, I wish I was was as uh, scientific as uh, Paul Reitzer is. Um, So for me, it was especially in the beginning when we were small, it was it was a little easier for me to say, okay, I'm feeling like I'm maxed out. I know I can afford to hire somebody. Um, that's where I made my first hire or two or three. Um, when we were much smaller, we were bringing on interns, so it didn't really make too much of an impact in terms of uh, what, what I had to pay. Um, as we've grown a little bit, um, we tried building out a, a more clear structure. And obviously, we're always looking at revenue to payroll and trying to balance that out. Um, so that, that's, you know, in the beginning, it's, it's a little easier because it's a little bit more of a gut feel. Um, as we're getting larger, um, we're trying to find more scientific ways and really measuring the capacity of our people and putting more systems in place and knowing when, when we have to hire. Um, certainly, we don't have it all figured out, um, but we're a little bit more uh, aggressive and, and we tend to hire a little bit ahead of the curb. So we know um, we can get people in, we can get them trained uh, traditionally, we've hired uh, a lot of young talent right out of school, um, so it was really inexpensive uh, to be bringing talent on and, and get them trained and we can move forward. Uh, we've made some shifts, especially in the last uh, six months, 
to really um, to, to bring on some more experienced talent as we're building out and, and planning the scale to you know the, to the next ceiling that we have to hit or the ceiling we have to break through right now. So we still have a lot of that we're figuring out. Um, but you know the best thing to do is just have some systems in, in place and, and some checks and, and know uh, you know compare it to your capacity and knowing um, when's the right time to hire. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. With those first folks who you're bringing out of the team, and this may be a little bit different situation because of the intern side mm-hmm. of things, and I think that's a cool approach and cool story to get into. But at Guava Box, when so Andrew and I uh, were running the agency, and we were just maxed out in terms of what we can do, and knew that we were what was holding the agency back. So we had a decision to make, and our decision kind of came down to: we're either going to bring on somebody to take over some of the project and account management and train them up to be able to take some of that weight off our shoulders, or we're going to bring in somebody to take the sales side of things, the new business acquisition and onboarding side of things mm-hmm. off our shoulder. And what we wound up doing was bringing on someone on the project and account management side. Um, what, who came on first for you and what, what was that role? So uh, I did have a mentor who is a part owner of the business uh, along with me. Uh, his name is William Shea. Most people are probably have not heard of him. Um, he's still a 10% owner of the company. So he was uh, mentoring me as we were starting off Impact as a web design company primarily. Um, and it was just based on my condo. He would come over once a week, talk about, you know, helping plan out the financials as we got going. So when I knew it was time to hire, my first hire was actually a graphic designer. So, um, and actually, funny story, I'll probably side note this a little bit and then come back. Um, Will and I, as a way of trying to get some more, uh, another revenue stream for the company, we built a website that was going to be classifieds and business listings, and we're going to sell ads, um, and nothing came of it. Um, But we built it out, and we were hoping to get this going. So a little side project as well as doing the the project work we were doing. Um, So we ended up putting a, um, I ended up putting a classified ad for us hiring on this site that no one ever went to and we were looking for a graphic designer. So um, my first hire was for that graphic designer position and the first hire we had here was Tom DeCipio, who's obviously still with us, partner of the business now, um, handles all sales and is uh, our chief strategy officer. No one came to that site at all except for Tom. Tom applied through that site for the position and that's how I met him. And he's been uh, my best friend and my business partner ever since. Wow. I did not know the backstory on that, but that's yeah. awesome. And Tom is, Tom is, when I think about the inbound space, the thing, I've brought this up on the podcast many times, but just the number of quality people in this space is astounding. But um, you guys at Impact are among the agencies who I admire the most and the guys um, who I just kind of can relate to and have really enjoyed getting to know. And Tom He's at the top of the list in terms of quality guys. So that's awesome. He's been, he was a phenomenal hire. And, and you know, to, to add more to that story, um, Will and I were interviewing people. So um, we had this guy come in, and I'm sure he was great. I don't remember his name right now. Um, but I was looking at him. This is the first person I ever hired. So I had no idea on how to hire, but Will was coaching me through this. Uh, we interviewed him. I liked him. He seemed like he'd be a really good task doer. He'd take a lot of stuff off my plate. And I was like, this is it. He was probably one of the first people I, I interviewed, too. I was like, great. I got somebody who would have had to come work on my condo with me, too, at that time. And Will told me, no, this is not the guy for you. He's, he's not going to help you the way you need help. 
So we interviewed a few more people, and that's when Tom came in. And Tom interviewed at my condo kitchen table. And um, it, like now we have the guy. He looked like the guy who was going to be there all the time. Um, you know, hours didn't matter too much. I mean, he just wanted the opportunity. He saw the potential. He saw our vision. And, um, and he was awesome. Um, so Will coached me. He's like, this is the guy that you need. Um, it was the perfect hire. So that's kind of a little bit more color to that backstory. Wow. Uh, so even though the site didn't take off, it sounds like it was a valuable investment. Uh, Pretty good ROI on that site. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. So Natalie, tell me about, um, your experience joining the team. And then also if you can bring us up to date on your evolution within the company and how your role has shifted over time. Sure. So as, uh, Bob mentioned, uh, in the early days, we had a lot of interns and I was one of those interns. So I actually came in as a social media intern and um, worked in that space for a little bit. And then whenever I came on full time, uh, I took on the role as social media manager. Um, And since we didn't really have that many people, I kind of wore a lot of hats back then as office manager, did some of the the billing and the financials. So uh, I really got my hands dirty and, and everything that was going on there. And then whenever we fully transitioned into doing inbound marketing as opposed to being more of a web design company, uh, I stepped into a client services role um, and was really the main contact for our clients and then slowly evolved into more of a process role and did a lot with process development and um, really growing that space a bit and even a little bit uh, dabbled in sales at that time and then uh that all transitioned into my current role now in talent, which really made sense at the time since I'd kind of had experience in just about every department in the company. So I knew the company inside and out, uh, have a grasp of our culture, of course, and who we wanted to bring into that, that culture and bring onto our team and what we needed to do to get to that next level. Uh, so that's kind of what led me to uh, where I am today in my current role as director of talent. And um, uh, in this role, I do a combination of things. As far as hiring and new employees, I do all of the recruiting and sourcing of talent. Uh, While Bob does most of the interviews, I really project manage the pipeline for new talent. And then as we bring people on board, I oversee and map out all of the employee onboarding and the orientation process and really work to build out and improve all of those, uh, those processes and those talent-related processes along the line. Uh, right. Then whenever, uh, whenever people actually do come on board, I make sure that our core values, our mission, our vision are all evident and throughout our culture. Everyone understands that. Everyone's on board with that. And uh, from anyone who's been here in the agency for years to someone who just started the other day, we make sure that everyone's on the same page. And uh, I also work in doing more uh, talent retention techniques and improving talent happiness. And uh, also a new thing that we're really kind of restructuring right now is something that we're calling our, our tier structures and our promotional plans. So that's a big project of mine right now is building that out so that our talent can see a future here and really envision where they can go and uh, have an idea of exactly what they have to do to get to that next step. So in combination with all that, keeping all of those processes updated and then all the, the fun HR stuff, job descriptions, employee evaluation process, and uh, making sure that our careers page and the uh, 
uh, is always relevant and updated so that everything that we're putting out there, uh, everyone sees what we have to offer. And uh, yeah, so all of the, those processes together. Wow. So that's a, that's a handful. And it's cool that you've had the experience though. I mean, I can see where the experience of wearing a lot of different hats, uh, you know, that leads well into having empathy for the folks, both who are coming in, but also the folks who are currently on the team and the different roles um, that they're in. So, I mean, there's a million follow-up questions that I could ask here, but uh, you mentioned doing the sourcing. And I'm just curious, Natalie, how has um, how is the sourcing, has it changed over time or where are you finding candidates right now? We're using a combination of things right now to, to source and find candidates. So, uh, we, we get a decent amount through our site, uh, so we always, uh, of course, look through all of those. But in addition to really supplement that, we do, uh, we do some paid job boards like Indeed, and we have a good amount of success on there, as well as our own outreach to candidates that we'd see on LinkedIn or other sites. And uh, we like to use our own talent for referrals, so if they can dip into their own networks and find anybody, we, of course, love to, to hear from them and really... Uh, give those people a chance if we can. And we've also, uh, I've started using a lot of the more modern hiring sites now. Uh, there's a lot of these type of like Tinder for hiring, which sounds kind of funny, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as opposed to looking at somebody's picture and saying that you want to connect with them, you look at their resume and their experience and you say that I'd like, I'm interested in this person. And if they come back at you and say, I'm interested in your company, you get an email that introduces uh, the two of us. And so that's a really great way to see someone who's interested in us, we're interested in them and open that conversation that way. So I've kind of dabbled in those sites a little bit and had some success there as well. Uh, and I see in, in the future, I'd love to do more of an employee referral uh, program. I've seen a lot about that, too. So uh, that's a little bit of what we'd like to do in the future and kind of what we're doing now. Right. What is that tool called that's like the Tinder for, uh, um, for finding employees? My favorite one that I use right now is called Angel List. Um, but I know that there's a bunch out there. I'm sure I'm just scratching the surface. Yep. Okay, cool. And Natalie, how many, um, how many employees or team members are at Impact right now? Um, we have 26, I believe. We just took on a few new ones. Um, so I believe we're at 26. Okay. So Bob, for you to hand off some of the sourcing and a lot of this um, talent, HR stuff to Natalie, um, what was the point at which you said, okay, I need to kind of separate myself from some of this. It's too much for me. And what was the trigger to put, was it Natalie's ready for this? Was it, hey, it's X number of employees, so this is the trigger? Or what was kind of the point that led you to um, to transitioning away from doing some of that stuff yourself? Sure. So obviously, a lot of the early um, hiring I, I did, um, we went through a period um, where I thought we were too big. For, this is a big mistake. I thought we were too big for me to be doing all the hiring, so I kind of... Um, had some other people here doing it uh, that were not experienced, and um, and they were looking for. Um, I mean, it just the system was very broken. We thus ended up with a lot of bad hires over a period of time. Granted, we had some really good hires come, but the rates were just um, not in our favor, and and that probably hurt us in the long run. Um, so that's when, probably about a year and a half ago. We started really trying to get smart about that. Um, definitely about a year ago, Natalie got into a seat where she wanted, you know, this is where her passion was. It was the people, the organization. It was seeing her teammates develop and, and improve. So it was a natural fit for her to move into a role where she could really build out 
um, you know, our basically it's our HR, but it's really we it's our talent area. So we worked since that day. We worked very very close together. We still made some bad hires during that period, but at least we're starting to build out a system, and, and we were working together to making that system better and better and better. Um, over the last six months, we've made some phenomenal hires, and we're getting much more confident in our process. Um, it's getting a lot harder to get hired by impact. You know, we, we're falling in love with candidates, but finding that they're still not the right fit, so we have to say no to them. Um, so Natalie and I didn't really, I wouldn't say I, I I got hands off for a period of time, and that was a huge mistake. So I think more or less Natalie and I really tag team it together right now and have our individual roles in the hiring process, but we definitely do this together. And most decisions are a little bit larger than just us. Obviously, I have the ultimate decision who we hire or don't, but for, it's very important to have a lot of buy-in from the rest of the organization and have them all have their say into the hiring process. And we've, we've done a good, good job of, of doing that as well. For sure. Bob, what does, this might be, I don't know, I mean, you have more experience at this, but this might be a hard question to answer, but what, how do you identify when someone is a bad hire mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and then what is that, how long does it take to figure that out or how long do you guys give somebody before figuring it out and saying, okay, this isn't going to be the best fit? Yeah. Um, great question. Um, and first and foremost, these are not, they were bad hires because it was a bad fit for the organization. Um, we've had some phenomenal people that we've had to let go over the last uh, last couple of months, specifically, um, just because they didn't fit into where the direction we needed to head in. Um, so, I think the it's during the onboarding process, you can tell right away. And we went right past some red, you know, red flags in the beginning. We've learned from that. So, I'm not sure. I'm sure you guys probably do this. A lot of other agencies I hear do this use the inbound mark and the HubSpot certifications they have as part of your, your hiring and onboarding process. Um, so some of the red flags we saw right away were new hires that couldn't pass the, the HubSpot certification. Yeah. And that, that, that's a, a big tell for us. So we've actually put the inbound certification as a requirement to even interview with us. Um, and then the, the HubSpot um, certifications in your first couple of weeks once you're during the onboarding process um, and as you have your one-month check-in, if you're not passing the certification or moving along um, at a rate that, that's similar to the, our best people here, um, we have to make a decision right away and that's pretty new. Um, we used to hold on to people too long, try to find different roles from in the organization where they might be successful. Um, maybe we have too much of a, a big heart, um, but we've gotten a little bit better of um, letting people know exactly where they stand. Uh, Natalie's done a phenomenal job of putting together a very strong um, performance evaluation process. So everyone in the organization knows exactly where they stand at all times. And it's very, you know, we have several conversations uh, of what they need to do to improve or get back on track, but it happens very, very fast. And from one first conversation to the point where we have to let somebody go is really 30 days um, but at that point, it's it's turned into a, instead of um, a conversation where you're shocking somebody, which I've also learned from in the past. Um, it's more of a conversation like you know why we're talking, right? Let's talk about what the transition plan looks like, and then they're very grateful, and, and people tend to to be thankful of the opportunity, and they speak very highly of impact as they're leaving. Um, so it, it, but luckily we're getting to a point where we don't have too much of that going on. 
but you, you have to, you know, one of the hardest things about business is, you know, fire fast, but, you know, hire fast, but fire faster, and you have to do it. Because bad hires or, or people that just are not fitting into your organization really weigh you down. You have to make those decisions really quickly. And uh, we've, we've gotten better at hiring. We've gotten better at firing. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that you brought up there, Bob, was the performance reviews. Mm-hmm. And I think I was just too inexperienced to know this at the beginning. But what I've recognized now is it's pretty unusual for somebody who's doing a great job to not know that they're doing a great job. And it's more unusual for somebody to be doing a bad job and not know that. So if you're not addressing those things, everybody kind of knows the situation, but it's just going unaddressed and it becomes just an awkward, uh, toxic environment when that's happening. So I think that the, uh, and this is something that I've struggled with is figuring out how to put together a good system for ongoing performance reviews. So we, just to kind of give folks who are listening, the background Guava Box was completely bootstrapped um, started out of a college dorm room. So what that means is because we didn't raise any money and because we had you know, almost no resources going into this, it was pretty much exclusively all the operations. Everything was done by the founders, and then we built out a contractor team. And then only the last couple of years have we started to evolve uh, from that model. But um, so because of the kind of the lean background, I think that what goes along with that is oftentimes a culture, a more informal culture. So performance reviews, I think, can sound forced to some people or we're such a small team, do we really need this? But I think that addressing that stuff on a frequent, consistent, and somewhat formalized basis makes a lot of sense. And obviously, at the scale mm-hmm. that you guys are at, that's a necessity. So I'm curious to know, and maybe Natalie, you're the best one to answer this question first, but what does that performance review process look like? What's the frequency that you're meeting with folks and, uh, and, and kind of going through how they're performing in the organization. So this is something that we've constantly been changing, improving, getting feedback on. Our current process right now, we do um, performance reviews quarterly, and um, they meet with their supervisor and manager, and they'll, the employee will first go through uh, our review sheet, and they will grade themselves on a couple different things. Uh, They will first say where they feel like they stand as far as our core values, if they feel like they really are possessing them and living them and um, using those values at work. They also will go through whatever their quarterly objectives were, and they'll say how well they feel like they did at hitting them or if they missed them and make some notes on that and their improvement with those. And they also do a review of impact. So we ask them a series of questions that really get an idea of their happiness here, their comfort here, and we kind of use that as one of our ways of measuring talent happiness and, and taking a look at that. And once they have that all together, then they send that out to their supervisors who then go through and do a very similar review. And then they meet and really have a good discussion on everything in there. And by the end of it, they know exactly where they stand if they need to go into uh, maybe a 30-day plan because they're not performing where they should. And we'll talk about the things that we expect them to really achieve from there. Or if they need to move into a new role or maybe be promoted, they'll know that and have a discussion and everyone to make sure everyone is on the same page. So there's really no surprises there. And that's something that so far we've had a lot of success with. I think we're doing this for our third quarter right now, and we just uh, did it recently. So, so far we've gotten really good feedback, and uh, compared to the other ones we've done in the past, our employees seem to really enjoy this process. Right. 
That, and great. If I can add some color to that too. Yeah. Um, so we took a lot of elements from a lot of different resources. So there are, there's elements from EOS and the people analyzer that's in here. There's elements from Jack Welch in differentiation and winning that's in here. Um, there's the, the questionnaire. A lot of the questions come from first break all the rules, which is a great book. Um, wow. Yeah, so um, we did that. And then the other thing that to add in here as well, uh, on top of just doing these quarterly reviews, is uh, Natalie, uh, not Natalie, but uh, the supervisor will have weekly or biweekly meetings with the staff. That way um, they can work on projects and overcome any obstacles that stand in their way. So it's a little bit more frequent touch points on top of just like a big surprise at the end of the quarter. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask is, the inbound marketing agency space is not an old space, obviously. Um, and so how do you, as you're trying to build this out, I was going to ask what are some of the resources, what goes into figuring out? There's not a bunch of other agencies you can go ask, hey, how have you guys built this and been successful with it for the past 10 years? Because they just don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And that's one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you guys on was you're farther ahead in the game than most of the agencies uh, out there are. So I think that this is going to be really powerful for other folks. So some of those resources that you just brought out, Bob, we will list those in the show notes. Um, what's your experience with EOS, Ben? Has that been positive? I love it. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, Marissa Smith over at the uh, the Whole Brain Group, and I know even uh, Tiffany over at Element Three have probably gone a little bit deeper. I know Marissa works very closely with an implementer. Um, we've done it really on our own. Uh, there's Definitely elements of it that we're very strong on. We, we put the meeting and pulse in place, and we have our morning stand-ups. We, we run our, um, our quarterlies according to their agenda. We run our weekly tacticals according to the agenda. Uh, we've built out an accountability chart, which has been very helpful. People analyze. We've taken elements from that. So we've kind of adopted a little bit. We probably shouldn't have, but we, but we have to, to make it a little unique you know, towards us and, and to make it work. Had we worked in an implementer, we probably would have done a little faster. Um, but I think it's, it, if nothing else, by reading traction and reading Get a Grip, um, any agency owner can get the real basics of what they need to be doing and looking at as, you know, as they're evolving and growing their business. So all the important factors that really matter. Right. And then you know, as long as you're, you're covering all those, uh, you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it is important, whatever the framework is, just to have a framework is helpful to operate from. I feel like whether it's EOS or some other system that you're trying to implement inside your business, I think that half of the battle, obviously you need to pick something that's actually going to work in the space that you're in. Um, but half the battle is just choosing, hey, we're going to go down this direction and follow some kind of framework to build a system here. And I wish we had known about it way back in the day when we first started. Um, there's a lot of obvious things that we were missing. You yep. know, and I think you, what you mentioned before, you, you guys were very bootstrapped. You did this yourself. We were the same way. We were just learning on the fly. And I guess my advice to anyone listening that, that's a, a smaller agency that's looking to grow and wants to know how Impact did it, we just were very aggressive. We just figured a lot of things out as we went. We, we were very um, willing to change. Um, we took a lot of chances. When we messed up, it was okay. We just fixed it and we moved forward. Um, and that's how we, we kind of got to the level where we end up at one point having 36 employees. Um, now we're trying to get a little bit smarter about what we do and, and 
still trying to make change happen faster, but have a lot more systems and processes so we can get from the level we are now to where we want to go. Uh, we have to do a little bit differently than us to the level we're here, but we got here by um, not having too many systems and just really just figuring things out on the fly for right or wrong. If that's the right way of doing that, that's kind of how we did it. So right, no, that's helpful for folks to know. You just got to try stuff, test, and then iterate. Um, and I think measurement is a huge part of that. And that's something that a lot of agencies struggle with: is are you measuring what you're doing right now and testing it against something else? But, exactly. Yeah. So you guys have been, when I think of impact, I think of impact as one of the poster child, poster children, I guess, for HubSpot (laughs) agencies out there. And I think a part of that is you guys were brought up when we were coming on as a partner with HubSpot in 2012, you guys were brought up during the sales process as, hey, here's an agency who's growing like crazy, uh, going from a web design agency, which we were largely web at the time, uh, into an inbound agency. But the growth that you've had obviously isn't typical. You guys have grown way more aggressively, uh, way quicker, and, and been more successful um, than a lot of agencies out there. What is – Natalie, you mentioned core values earlier. But what's the internal culture? And, Bob, I think that you just touched on some of this is like move fast and try things. But, but what's the internal culture? How do you guys uh, describe or kind of put into words the internal culture that enables that kind of success? Um, yeah, definitely. And I, I know you just touched on how we're, we're very fast paced. Uh, we're also very transparent. Um, we like to be transparent with everybody here and we want them to be just as transparent with us. And I think that that helps people to feel comfortable and feel like they can, uh, really bring up any issues that they see. And I think that's helped us to grow because we get so much great feedback from our employees. Um, and that really just helps us to make things better and, and keep the people and retain the people that we want to keep. Um, Bob, I'm sure you have a lot of stuff that you'd love to, to chime in here because we've done a lot of work on really building out and uh, getting our culture defined recently. It's a, it's a great question. I think, you know, I'm so driven to make impact as great as it possibly can be. Um, you know, obviously I have less experience than some of the other agency owners. I'm still learning as I go. Um, but, you know, I... I my entire life is really kind of wrapped around impact. And it, right or wrong, it shouldn't be that way. But I'm so motivated, and I get so excited when we have big wins. And, and you know, Tom being, you know, here the longest and, and right by my side the whole time, he, he gets juiced up by the same thing as I do, and we stay very aligned. And he's a lot more contagious than I am. So when he gets juiced up and motivated, everyone else is. And I think the, the periods where you look that we've had the biggest growth where we're, we're having wins, everyone's aligned, no one's trying to push back at all. And, um, and I think that's probably it. We're, we're willing to try things. People can see the vision. They can see where we're going. They know how they fit in to get there. Those are all the things I think really contribute to the success that we've had. Um, and then we also have those periods where we've hit bumps. And that gets a little demotivating, and that's when people have – We've had higher than the normal turnover in terms of talent, um, and we weren't doing the things we should be doing, and growth slowed down. But then it's like we get back into those periods where we really get everyone aligned again. So I would say that probably is the biggest contributor is just being motivated, believing that we can achieve great things, getting people here that, that, that you know, it's not a job for them. It's an opportunity. It's they're part of a team. They're building something special. You know, one of the girls uh, here, Marcella Jalbert, who's 
uh, been a designer with us for, I believe, about three years. Um, you know, we, we sat down yesterday and had a great meeting. I was just asking her, you know, just a very personal meeting, like, what, you know, where are we, you know, what do you want out of impact? And, and you know, where's your life going to be in three years? And how can we help you get there? And how can you help us get to where we want to get to? And, and one of the things she said to me, which I thought was so special, was she goes, I want to be able to say that my first job out of college became my career. And, and, and I want a bunch of people here that, that really want to make that happen. Make this agency, you know, wherever point they come in, that they feel like they have some ownership and there's a story there for them. And they can help us achieve these big, huge, grand goals that we have. Um, and I think that's, all, that's what impact's all about. So it's not always about processes and systems and, and having every detail. It's just, let's just move forward and, and, and go for it. So, Yeah, that's awesome. I think that obviously it's working for you guys, um, creating that sense of ownership. And obviously I think it's all, all of this stems from communicating to people, not just by the words, but by the actions and, and the way that the team operates, that you care about people. And I think that's, uh, that's at the core. It's obvious that that's working for you guys. Um, Natalie, I want to pitch a question to you. This question is going to be oversimplified, and I think that what people want to know is a simple answer, but the truth is that this isn't going to be a simple answer. But the onboarding process, so you bring somebody in, and obviously this is going to be variable based on different roles, possibly the person, but is there a goal or timeline? Uh, I kind of want to know about the onboarding process, but also the timeline from you get hired and here's where you start doing client work, um, Kind of what does that onboarding process look like, and how long does it typically take? Uh, sure. So the process itself right now, to kind of walk through some stages there, uh, before the employee starts, if we can, we like to really meet with them and find out what their personal and professional goals are so that we can make sure that uh, they're just as bought in as we are with their, their role coming in, and we can map out different milestones that they can reach and then from there, whenever they actually uh, come into the office, we do an impact orientation and a general training process to get each uh, employee up to speed. And that impact orientation does a combination of reinforcing our values, our mission, our vision, talks about our history and what we've done to get where we are. It also uh, slowly introduces them to the team so it's not too overwhelming, but they understand where everybody fits into our structure and the bigger picture here in the agency. And they also have uh, a meeting with the leadership team, so they can meet anybody that they haven't met and really understand what the leadership team does in those different roles. And then during kind of their downtimes, they, they chip away at their, their training for their actual position until they get up to speed. I know Bob mentioned the uh, HubSpot certification, so they're doing that in the background as well as getting integrated with their team. And um, so that's a kind of an overall view. And as far as the timeline, um, Bob and I are actually just talking about this. We're always trying to figure out what the right timeline is for people. And I wouldn't say that we have it completely down to a science at all, but we're probably after about a month or so, they start really kind of getting a little bit deeper integrated to their role. They've passed the HubSpot certification, ideally, at that point. They know everybody. They understand how impact works and functions. And that's when we start to really introduce them to deeper parts of their role. Um, Bob, I don't know if you have anything to add there, uh, but that's kind of an overall view of everything. Yeah, I think the, the only difference, um, not really difference, but uh, they kind of there's a, definitely a ramping period as well. So really the first two weeks, if you're looking at Natalie's, 
project manages pretty well. There's a, there's a Trello board that, that every uh, new hire has already set up for them. All their meetings are already set up for them. So the first two weeks are really, um, they're, they have their meetings, they have their trainings, everything is really organized there. Then it kind of starts trailing off to about the one-month point where now they're fully into their roles. So two weeks of training, another two weeks of really shifting to the role, and then two weeks they're, they're into that position. Got it. That's awesome. And that's a quick turnaround to get people onboarded. And obviously, you're reliant on having strong systems and processes to get people integrated that quickly. Um, but that's also, I think it's helpful for folks. This is an area that a lot of agencies struggle with. And it's the same. I think the places that are challenging are you sign a new client. What is that onboarding process and getting them to speed look like? And you bring on a new team member. Um, they're both variants of the same thing as how do we assimilate people to mm-hmm. the program that we're running here. So I have um, two more, I guess, quick questions for you. One is, and this may, may or may not be quick, but the questions from my end will, will be quick. We talked with Mike Lieberman on the podcast from Square Two about how they have their teams operate in pods. And I'm curious to know what is working on client accounts. What is the structure as far as how many folks are working on client accounts um, and kind of the internal way that you put different teams on client accounts? So we also have a pod structure as well. Um, We actually have three pods and each pod works with roughly around 10 accounts. Um, Different pod members obviously have different roles. Um, So we have somebody that's more focused on strategy, um, retention, growing the accounts, a lot of the forward-looking things, goal setting with the clients. Um, Another person is more focused on the delivery and execution of the strategies and technical and, and quality. Um, there tends to be a, a marketing coordinator, something a little bit more entry level that's assisting with the execution. Um, and then the account management is kind of split between the, the three roles. Um, so the strategist may also be the account manager for three or four or five accounts. The delivery lead might be the account manager on three or four or five accounts. And even the marketing coordinator, as they get a little bit more advanced, they'll take on some of the maybe the smaller accounts that are in that pod. Um, we also have uh, creative, so there's a creative lead in those pods as well, um, and they do all the graphic design and all the creative strategy. Um, so that's that's inside the pod. And the only thing that's outside is we have a technical resource pool of our four developers, um, and they do all the COS development, site buildouts, um, anything and complicated integrations, and that's usually shared by all three pods. Awesome. So that's, that's really our client service structure. That's super helpful to know just specifically who's doing what. And I think that that, um, that model seems to be working, uh, seems to be working for Square 2, seems to be working for you guys. I think that enables you, having that system in place enables you to scale uh, with the resources that you have internally. And then the last question that I'll throw at, uh, Bob, we can start with you. Natalie, if you have anything that you want to add to this as well. Um, but if I'm in the shoes of a agency owner, I've been partnered up with HubSpot for a year or two, and I just can't figure out how to make this thing grow quickly. I've signed on one or two or three retainers. I've already lost my first client. Um, what advice do you have for the person who's trying to figure out how to make this thing go, and they're largely running it independently right now? Now, do you want to take that first? Um, sure. Uh- 
What I would say is that even though you want to grow really quickly, just make sure that you've established what you want your team to look like, what an ideal employee looks like, and don't rush the hiring process. I mean, I know Bob's mentioned we've made some bad hires, and if we had had a better process in place and maybe not acted so quickly in the past, we would have avoided that. But we've really come to appreciate and understand uh, how important getting that process down and weeding out the bad candidates can be. So that would probably be, probably be my advice is just even though you really, really want to grow, don't get, don't, don't, don't get in over your head, I guess, and, uh, and take on people before you know that they're the right people that you want around you. And I, I, to, to piggyback off that, because I think that's absolutely right, and, and to expand that, I would say focus on your internal before you focus on your external. You know, work on yourself first. Work on the clients that you have already. Make that your number one priority before even focusing on new clients. Let the work sell itself. So I think that's probably, you know, um, I have three retainers, and the mindset I got to go get four or five is going to hurt you in the long run. It's hurt us in the long run. But when we said, you know what, let's just focus on the clients that we have and make these really good, make these really strong, grow these accounts, and maybe have them help us get another account later on, or create some great success stories and put those on our website and focus on that first. Um, and then everything else kind of will fall into place. Awesome. Good advice, guys. I really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Um, last question for you. Folks want to get in touch with you guys and ask any follow-up questions or follow what you're doing in your journey at Impact. Where's the best place for them to catch you guys? Well, um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, so uh, feel free um, at Bob Ruffalo, and uh, I'm happy to respond anywhere there. Um, also, uh, if you want, you can even include my email address in the, the show notes, and I'm happy to respond to any emails. Sometimes I'm a little slower to email, believe it or not, than, than Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn, you can also connect with me on there. Um, I'm a little slow to respond to email sometimes, um, but I will always write back. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Natalie? Yeah, I would say uh, very similar. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn, so LinkedIn's a great place. Twitter as well, and you can definitely include my email. I'm probably quicker than Bob at email since he always has so much in his inbox there, but uh, any of those ways is perfect. Great. Natalie totally keeps me in line, too. So if you want to write an email to me, write to Natalie, and she'll make sure (laughs) I I respond to it. That's perfect. (laughs) I like it. Cool. Well, guys, I appreciate your time coming on the podcast today. I think this has been really valuable for agency owners out there. Um, Love digging into your story. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today. Awesome, Greg. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This is great. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Let's Game Plan, the premium training product designed to help marketing agencies build better inbound marketing strategies for their clients. If you want to learn how to sell, build, and deliver an amazing inbound strategy for your clients using a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash game plan. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash game plan. Now, back to the show. Great. Awesome convo with these two, Bob and Natalie. First of all, props to you as an interviewer. I thought you did a great job just balancing having two guests on at the same time. I know we've done internal interviews like that, but it's a little bit different than having two guys on the other side of the phone. And just a great job balancing the questions there. And I really appreciated the way Bob and Natalie, you can tell that they've worked a lot together as they've built the business. It's cool that we've got the employee number three and the co-founder right there. So much history in this agency and things have changed and evolved so much as they have moved forward. 
Uh, right now, Natalie is that director of talent. And would you be able to share what were your takeaways as you've kind of seen her journey evolve from social media manager into uh, some client work, some sales, developing processes? It's kind of neat to see how her career has evolved with the agency. Do you have any thoughts or takeaways around that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it was a blast to talk with both of them. And they were, I mean, great on the podcast. So I was wondering going into it because we've not done that before, had two separate guests. Um, and sometimes that can be hard to know. I guess what you often run into there is you run into, you ask a question. If you don't direct it to somebody, then there's just this this dead space where they try and figure it out and both start at the same time. And um, But but it was awesome to connect to them and have them on the podcast and experiment with that format. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, as far as, I mean, both great people and what you're seeing with Natalie is obviously the agency's grown uh, just amazingly since they, uh, you know, since she joined the team and since Impact started. But I think that the saying, the cream rises to the top, um, you're seeing that happen. And the cool thing about um, the small culture and, and the culture that, that Bob has built is that there's an environment where that can happen at impact. And so mm-hmm. um, she's excelled in all those areas. And it's, um, you know, I think it's a testament to just kind of the self-awareness of Bob and the team. And he's mentioned having a mentor and having help um, from the outside. So a testament kind of of self-awareness and just knowing I need somebody else in these areas and being willing to hand over that stuff to people who can take ownership and have the skill set to really do that. Really, what you can tell Natalie is very process driven, um, great with people. Um, and so, I mean, hats off to both of them for, for building a really successful agency there for sure. Yeah. I kind of want to break this into three sections based on the conversation you guys had. First was some in, some kind of new ideas in terms of attracting the right team members. How are we getting on the radar of talent and understanding who's out there, number one? Number two is how do we onboard new talent? How do we interview new talent um, and get them up to speed so they can start working with our team? And number three was the employee evaluations and gathering feedback and ensuring that that culture stays healthy over time. And I thought I really appreciate Bob and I really appreciate his transparency and just being open about the mistakes that they've made in the past, how he thought it was a mistake that you know they they handed off some of the hiring process to other people because he felt like he had too much on his plate and how removing the owner founder from that conversation impacted things and then also how when they've made the wrong hire how they've kind of ignored some of the red flags early and kind of kept moving forward and how that kind of came back to burn them a little bit farther down the line so i appreciated his honesty there but natalie talked about a couple different ways that they attract new team members they talked about kind of inbound and using their website as attracting new talent. They talked about paid job boards like Indeed, um, and she talked about AngelList there, the uh, the Tinder app for uh, recruiting, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and then kind of those are like outbound, or uh, the paid stuff is kind of outbound, and then also doing some like actual boots-on-the-ground research on LinkedIn and then leveraging their internal team network. What did you think about, about those strategies of kind of going out and finding talent and bringing them in that way? Yeah, well, I think that, I mean, first of all, everyone who talks about this generally says the best way you're going to source people is through the team that you already have internally. So you need to have a system in place to get out of your team internally, um, extract those quality leads. And I think that one one topic that we've talked about before is in a lot of cases, the best people 
are already employed somewhere else. They're not out looking for a job. And so because of that, having somebody who is an existing connection, either through your personal network, um, if you're an owner or co-founder, or through your team's network, you've got some extra leverage because of those relationships as you're trying to draw people in. So I think that that is, there's no doubt that should be, uh, in most cases, probably the number one source of new hires. But but you do have to, at some level, um, you know, that's not always going to, produce people I don't, I don't think that you can count on that exclusively to produce yeah. enough good people um to to go through the inter- process, interview process and find the find the right people so it's cool to see that they are building a system and trying to build that funnel um to, to constantly have folks in there so i think that the takeaway for us as um as business owners is one focus on how do we reach the people that are inside the network that we already have access to. And then two, I think it's just going to be a lot of trial and error in figuring out what job boards work or what events do I have to go to or do I start an internship program at a local college um, or just an internship program that's affiliated with local schools. And I think that you're just kind of figuring out, evaluating your situation, where you are geographically, what the market's like around you, and then just trial and error from there. Yeah. Uh, One thing... One thing that sticks out to me here is just, you know, don't stop interviewing. We hear that from a bunch of people. We heard it from Matt Sunshine, who talked about the talent pool and building a list of people who, before you even have an opening, you can reach back to that. And just in your conversation with Greg last week, we talked about how he's always out there looking for those Swiss Army knives, those people that can fit into their organization and their culture. Um, and one thing I like about in impact is they're going out there and they're aggressively trying to attract these right people through these channels. And then when they do get an employee, man, they've got a very well thought out new employee onboarding program. And I respect this because I feel like you've got the first phase of onboarding where you, when you attract a new client, you need to onboard them well. And then as you grow as an agency, this might be the second phase of pain that you experience. And you, you kind of hinted at this in your conversation with them that you need to onboard a new team member well so that they can actually sink in and be a contributor on client work as soon as possible. And so Bob opened up a little bit about this, how kind of the first half of their 30-day onboarding run is getting in and getting accustomed to who, like the structure almost, who's in leadership, um, getting their professional goals outlined and figuring out where do they want to go, and then diving into an orientation, an impact orientation around their values, around their mission, around their vision and history, and then, again, introducing to the team there. So what did you think about that first phase of it, kind of the the preparing the ground, tapping into their professional goals, and then sharing who impact is, kind of who are you, who are we, that thought process. Did you have any takeaways from that? Yeah, well, Andrew, I'm kind of curious to know first what your takeaways um, were, and then I can piggyback off that. I loved it. I thought that the... Taking the time, we talk all about culture code here a lot. You hear a lot of people investing in a culture code. But, okay, how do we infuse, how do we transition just from the culture that we have today and bring new people into it and use that as a part of our onboarding process? And so that's one thing that Sunshine hinted on, how they have their talent fit and then their team fit interviews there. Um, But now once someone's on the team, make it very clear, make it very process-driven uh, strategy to actually go in and understand who are we as an agency and have a 
a plan, a structure in place to, to communicate that message to your new team members. Um, I loved that process there. But then also, don't forget about who are our team members, who are these people, where do they want to go? And Natalie hinted that this is an area that they want to continue to grow in, having that that ability to look down the road five or ten years and how do you want to see your career progress? How does impact play a part in that? How do you help us as an agency grow to where we want to be in five years, ten years down the line? So I think having that vision at the very beginning of a new employee relationship is a really neat place to be. I think having that there is going to help them attract better people but then also kind of set the right expectations. We talk about this in the sales process all the time, Gray, setting a client's expectations but as you grow your team and you bring on more and more people, you need to set your team member expectations too so that they don't get into this position and they're there for 18 or 24 months and they start to get bored and they start to figure out, well, what's my future here? What is, am I, have I already reached my ceiling in this position? I love developing a process to set folks down on a journey so you can actually create longer-term relationships with your employees moving forward. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to push it over to you to see what your thoughts were and I didn't want to steal your thunder if you were going to use this analogy. But – what it reminds me of is as an as a marketing agency, why do the clients that you lose what's the what's the main reason that you lose those clients? The main reason is that you're not meeting the expectations. So you set expectations during the sales process that uh, that you aren't meeting um, down the road. And so what happens there a lot of times is the sales process we're all about your goals. We're going to help you, help you hit your goals. We get you in. We're all excited at the beginning. And what slowly happens, and I've seen this over and over with agencies, and we've made this mistake ourselves, is what's easier for me as an agency is I'd rather just provide a list of deliverables every month for you. And if that gets you to your goals, which we thought maybe it would at the beginning, that's great. Um, but but the the level of attention that gets paid to paid to that client uh, significantly diminishes as opposed to going through the sales process and the way that they were treated there. Yeah. And so I think that the analogy here is the same thing can very easily happen with employees where you go through this whole hiring process. You're making these promises about what the culture is like, what their roles going to be like, the opportunities um, to grow and to move up inside, uh, opportunities for promotion and advancement inside your organization. And then they get in and a lot – this happens with um, – in all kinds of companies, in all kinds of industries with high turn numbers is you get in and the expectations weren't met or it's just the same rote, here's what you're going to be doing. You're going to do this, 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 and this. And that's just, that's the way that you go through. And eventually that wears on people and they're ready to move on to a new situation somewhere else. So I think there's no way to um, to build a fulfilling culture in your organization if that's the way that you do things so that process is it is really key it is really critical so i'm glad that you highlighted that here as well yeah and then you roll off of this and you say it's not enough to understand where they want to go and where we want to go at the beginning but we need to follow up on that expectation every quarter and that goes into their ongoing employee evaluations and i love that they birth this out of pain the best things the best processes in your organization I know this from firsthand, Greg, Wobble Box. The best things that we've created have been out of a pain. It's a painful situation. You know, a client walks away from a deal or, you know, we can't, we, we choose to hire the wrong salesperson. Whatever it is, that pain that you feel, out of those ashes come great things. And so out of the ashes of, you know, Tom or Bob and Natalie having a sort of a negative situation, walking away, um, bad team members coming up, just surprising them when the team member thought everything was okay, but they have been seeing this for a long time and just never mentioned anything. 
starting the conversation early through this through this uh, process, I thought was a really really cool idea. It's cool to see that they've made this off of their past mistakes almost. Um, and they tapped into kind of two areas, like how do you feel you're doing? How do you feel the company's doing? Um, you know, did you have any thoughts on this? Because you and I have talked about this a lot. How do we create more structure around giving people a clear idea of where they are, um, both for each of us as founders, but then also for our teams? How do we give them, um, you know, a clear view into the health of the the relationship and making sure that we are clearly communicating and not surprising anybody they mentioned a 30-day period there where they're going to mention something first and then work through it from there. What were your thoughts on how they've tackled that problem that we all face as owners? Yeah, my first thought was, well, you guys are farther along this road than we are. <laughs> so, so good job there. I mean, to me, I think that a lot of, first of all, a lot of agencies are relatively small. You're working with a small handful of people. And in those situations, uh, formal reviews can feel uh, awkward, unnecessary, weighty, um, and especially in situations where you have co-founders and you're not really sure who is or isn't maybe the final authority. So I think that you need to have some kind of system for this because what you don't want to have happen is someone's underperforming. They either know it and it's unaddressed, which is toxic, or they don't know it and it's unaddressed, which is equally toxic. Um, so having that review process, I mean, my thoughts were, we need to go down this road and implement something uh, that's more formal than uh, than what's in place right now, which is almost entirely, not entirely, but almost entirely informal. Hey, we're feeling this is happening, so now let's have a conversation. And yeah. um, so, I mean, hats off to them for for having for feeling that pain and doing something about it. Um, and encouragement to us for sure. And uh, and other agencies out there that this is the kind of system that needs to get put in place. For me, it goes back to the ability to scale. And just like we talk about documenting your processes, clearly identifying the client journey as you progress a client through this, all of that needs to be to, to, to be documented and have a system in place so that you can scale the number of clients you service. On the other side of that mirror, you also have the machine, the agency that's delivering those services. And that each aspect of that also has to be scalable as well. So some great insight here. I think you can kind of see where Bob and Natalie are going in terms of developing a system around their talent there. And I'm really encouraged to see the success that they've had. And I hope that they continue to move forward in this space, continue to lead well in this space. These are some cool things for all of us to be thinking about as agencies as we continue to roll forward. So if you guys enjoyed what Natalie had to say, what Bob had to say, reach out to them. Um, you can find the show notes at doinbound.com slash podcast, and their contact info is listed there. We would love to hear your feedback on this season, on the guests that we've had on, and any suggestions that you guys have. So feel free to reach out to Gray and I on Twitter. He is at S. Gray McKenzie. I am at Andrew J. Dembski. So thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.